Welcome to At The Counter One Shots, the podcast that takes the nerdy questions and discussions held at the counter of your local comic book shop and brings them to the internet. And for the record, we're, we're sorry. sorry. I'm Marcus Antea. And I'm Christian Kenty. ATC One Shots take all the fun and geekery of the full podcast and puts it into bite-sized chunks. All right, today's topic came to us from a TikTok. Ha <laughs> ha there's going to be few and far between on these. I, I, I'm not big on this being a source of topics, but this one was good. This one, we almost talked about this already. Yes, we we all we <laughs> talked about it, and it's like uh, you know, if a tree tip falls in the forest, is uh, does anybody hear it? If we talk about a topic and we don't put it on the podcast, does any does it really matter? So today's topic then is what is the worst thing for a mimic to be dungeon masters well how does that mess over your players as big as possible i i get stuck on this because i don't as a rule i have never used a mimic as a dungeon master i, I don't think it's i like have travesty. either it's it's one of those things that people love throwing in i just have not found the opportunity for it or i'm not looking for an opportunity for it and it it has gotten to a point where Players in certain campaigns that I'm running, because I run like five, players in certain campaigns that I'm running are waiting for the other shoe to drop on this mimic thing because it's such a common thing. It's, uh, it's and I've never done it, and they're like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be something, it's gonna be bad, like it's gonna be real bad when it happens. Yeah, it's 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 almost a cliche now. And I, yeah, that's it. I'm just so passive about it that they're expecting it to be this big like <laughs> reveal. I don't, <laughs> but I, I love the idea of mimics. I just, I don't know. I have a hard time getting past the chest idea. I think that's probably about the most elegant use of a mimic, uh, even though there are a lot of other uses No, of the most elegant use of the mimic is not the chest, but the coins inside the chest. Yes. Because they test the chest to see if it's a mimic, and the chest is just a chest. And then as soon as they touch ah, the gold, they're done. Ah, I'm being done. There's a few things that have been on online that I've watched different people talk about. One of them being, could you train mimics to be arrows? Hmm. And that's tricky. It is tricky, but a DM said, uh, uh, this is now cursed. I know how to do it. And this horrifies me. He says, first thing you do is you get two mimics and you breed them. That's the first problem. Yeah. The second problem is you take the babies and you you eliminate the parents right away so that the babies imprint on you. And then you have to keep the babies fed, which is horrifying in and of itself, so that you are their source of love, their source of food and everything else. And then you start training them to be arrowheads. And so then when you fire an arrow at somebody, you're not only doing piercing damage, you're doing grapple damage. And it's okay. horrifying. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I see it. So and for those of you who don't know and are not D&D nerds like us, a mimic is a creature that can literally pretend to be anything, depending on its size. It's a shape changer of sorts. Yeah, right? depending on its size, depending on its age, it can mimic anything. The and most- like to a, to a point of reality. It's not just like a shape changer that will... Uh, cast an illusion over itself it literally mimics the thing so if it's a mimic being a chest you it's the difference is negligible you won't be able to tell the difference between until you try and open it and attacks you yes you open it and suddenly there is a tongue around your face (laughs) uh a lot of people have made mimic 
chests in some form or another where you open it up and it's teeth pop out and a tongue and think little shop of horrors plant in a in a chest is opposed to a plant yeah they they very much do resemble like the venus flytrap kind of kind of look to the most of the time right yeah so, so according to the monster manual they that is the way they hunt by looking innocuous and waiting for creatures or people to try and open them or try and touch them and then they've got them much like a venus flytrap or whatever that one is that's the honey Oh, well, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, I can't remember what the Yeah, anyways, there, anyway, we have a lot of carnivorous flowers that look like really beautiful, wonderful things, and that's kind of what the mimic is based on. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, worst thing, because that was the initial question, right? What's the worst thing that a mimic could be? Well, I have the worst thing according to this person, and I, mean... I don't think I can argue with them, but I want to talk a little bit about <laughs> worst things. And then there was a really neat writing prompt that somebody did about the best way. I mean, there's the really horrifying idea of a mimic teddy bear. Because <laughs> not only is it a thing that will, will attack whatever comes near it and it's cute and cuddly, but it's intended for children. <laughs> well, they have those uh, available now in the real world. They're called teddy scares. Yeah. And when you hug them, their eyes go red and the teeth, sharp teeth come out. and it's It's actually cool as hell. I'm sorry. There's so many things that made me go, why does this exist? <laughs> and the reason is the world. Yeah. That's why it exists, because of the world. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, sh- I'll, uh, I'll pull them up and show them to you later. They're actually pretty funny. So the general cliche is that it turns into a chest in amongst a whole bunch of other chests in some treasure room. And then as soon as you go to open the lid, it attacks and latches on and does damage. And that really does essentially do exactly what it's intended to do because the idea is the venus fighter it's something beautiful it's something attractive that you want to interact with and suddenly you're in too deep but it's not what you were bargained for right so i've heard a good one is uh the door of the treasure room as you go to open the door it now attacks you we had a discussion with matt at one point in time about how big could a mimic get really like what is it sort of outside that it could do and if you had a colony working together you could mimic a fair-sized town Mm -hmm. and you walk in and anything and everything in the town is a mimic and it's just a giant trap to eat travelers well and that's like I had, I had seen somewhere somebody used a, an entire tavern was a mimic once. And I was like, that's a bit much because you're talking about not just like it goes beyond the open the thing and walk into its mouth thing at that point. It's people have existed in this building somehow. So you're talking not just the tavern, you're talking uh, furniture, you're talking people being in it all the time. And, and that's a really, really well-behaved that's a patient yes (laughs) which leads into the thing that i read and it was a really kind of a heartwarming story of a mimic which is not often what you get the story that this person wrote was there's a former adventurer him and his wife were adventurers they had looted the whatever dungeon they got and they took everything with them and the mimic had been masquerading as a dining room chair. And he took the chair with him. 
the mimic was kind of tired of being stuck in the dungeon and just eating rats and stuff. And he could have attacked the adventurers, but he's like, you know what? If I just do nothing, they'll take me out of this dungeon and I can wander around, do whatever I want. But the difference was when he took his spoils, he bought a tavern. Yeah. And he put the chair on display as one of the things he got from this dungeon crawl. And so the chair sat there in a place of honor. And it would sneak food off trays and stuff like that when people weren't looking because nobody really expects a chair to move. And and as he stood there, he started to not love for say, but, you know, started to go have some affection for <coughs> have some affection for the the owner of the tavern because he always treated him right. And like there was always food close by. So he wasn't hungry. And so he really began to and he sat there for like 10 years or something. And then thieves break in one night. <laughs> they break in and they start trying to steal stuff. And the mimic's like, oh, hell no. This is not, this, A, this gravy train's not ending. But B, my friends are not going to have a problem. So he's sitting there waiting for them to get close. The adventurer comes in. And before he can figure out what's going on, someone cautions him in the back of the head. And he goes down. Well, this makes the mimic mad. And he they just walks over and starts eating all these guys like full swallowing <laughs> gone. And then when the, when the wife gets down there with a drawn sword and him sprawled out on the floor, the mimics back as a chair, just sitting there kind of contentedly waiting for them to come by. And the man gets up and goes, I guess it was nothing or whatever. And so they put everything back to rights. Must've scared him off. And on the way upstairs, he slows down and he pats the chair on the on the top of the chair and says thank you and walks away. So he's known <laughs> the entire time that it's a mimic. It's oh, a really sweet good. story. It's a good story. It's a really sweet story, and it because <laughs> I don't know how much awareness or autonomy mimics have if they're fully feral and they just. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's I don't. I feel like they tend to be a little more blank slated. So they kind of fit the situation more, um, but more or less, I don't know. I get that there are a lot of dungeon masters, and I'm I'm guilty of it. Is you get really one noted monsters, right? Yeah. Where you know you get that classic chaotic evil monster who's just like, yes, but you must die. <laughs> yes, kill. <laughs> but you must die. But do we have to? But yeah, we have die. to kill. Yes. Just kill. Kill. <laughs> just kill, kill. Kill. Right. <laughs> But everybody dies. You know what? (laughs) I'm going to do something here. I'm going to pause for a moment. And I'm going to grab the monster manual. Let's take a look and settle this. A few moments later. M. Merid Medusa Merfolk Mimic. Page 220 in the monster manual. All right. Oh, now there's different types of mimics. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I'm I'm on D&D Beyond. Uh, spitting mimic, horde mimic, giant mimic, juvenile mimic. Yeah, there's there's a few different ones. Just your straight up one for the monster manual. That's one you're looking at. Oh, well, this is interesting. Mimics are shape shifting predators able to take on the form of inanimate objects to lure creatures to their doom. In dungeons, these cunning kind of creatures most often take the form of doors and chests, having learned that such forms attract a steady stream of prey. Mimics can alter their outward texture to resemble wood, stone, and other basic materials, and they have evolved to assume the appearance of objects that other creatures are likely to come into contact with. 
a mimic in its altered form is nearly unrecognizable until prey blunders into reach where it sprouts pseudopods and attacks. When it changes shape, a mimic excretes an adhesive that helps it seize prey and weapons that touch it. The adhesive absorbed when the mimic assumes its amorphous form and on parts the mimic uses to move itself. But here's the interesting thing where we were correct. Mimics live and hunt alone, although they occasionally share their feeding grounds with other creatures. Although most mimics have only predatory intelligence, a rare few evolve greater cunning and the ability to carry on simple conversations in common or under common. Such mimics might allow safe passage through their domains or provide useful information in exchange for food. See, and I would stand by the normal reasoning that if a regular mimic is scary, An a mimic you can talk to is even scarier. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. But that's interesting. Because this is a particularly evolved mimic. <laughs> He'd been around. Oh, here's an even more interesting question. A player character mimic. Right. So by by the technicality, you won't see a player character mimic unless mimic was given a PC build as a racial feature. Right. Because this is exactly what this had said about um, only being able to take on certain properties. So flesh doesn't seem to be within that. Um, no, but you could take on the form of metal, i.e., a warforged. Okay. All right. We're going that way. All right. No, I, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, the so, other being that by this, with rules of written and or rules is written by the raw rules, chest full of mimics does not work. They eat and hunt alone. Yes, <laughs> but as as babies. Yeah, it I, could I'm be saying a as a It could be, but generally speaking. Chest full of tiny mimics, coins doesn't technically work. I would still totally use it because it's <laughs> such a good. Thing. You also couldn't yeah. use it as a town. <laughs> no, as a town, it's it's definitely uh, that one. I would write unless right out of the they're all highly right. evolved, talkable. Even mimics. then, but even then, it's not talking about them changing their nature of things. It's just their ability to speak, right? So they develop language at some point. It doesn't mean they desire companionship any more than other mimics do no right? their base functions however a cursed object that they touch to copy or look that changes alignment like there's a lot of ways we could go about like really shoehorning this in <laughs> we're, we're diving down the hole see but now <laughs> chests and doors are pretty basic you're basic inanimate objects yeah pretty much anything you find that's that's the beauty of the mimic and and what makes um it essentially is a reminder to players that they need to be careful yeah (laughs) don't touch everything right because it's that's i feel like that's why it was invented because this mimics go back to first edition yeah i think it's I think it's a natural consequence of forgetting to check for traps because I don't think fifth edition has a check for trap skill. Does it? That's just your investigation. It's, role. Yeah. It's part of an investigation. It's not a specific. Subset. Yeah. It used to be its own. It used <clears throat> to yeah, be its, its own, own thing. thing. 
So it used to be check for traps. Here's your roll to see if you find traps. I feel like that was right up till about three point five, something like that. I don't that. know and if they, it was part of four. I don't know why they took it out because it was a it was something that after a while you just automatically went oh check for traps okay. Well, yeah, I don't know why they took it out. I I do recognize that fifth edition is in a desire to be much more player friendly. Right, they they kind of streamlined and simplified a bunch of things. So it's like investigation covers a lot of stuff, right? Perception's a little more open, right? These, these sorts of skills are a little, in, in terminology, they're more vague, right? And so they allow you to encapsulate a lot more things within that and uncomplicate the game a little bit, right? And I, I think they did a good job of accomplishing that, but there are little things like check for traps is a specific skill that you know you kind of miss right just like lock picking is a specific yeah skill that's but not there and the thing is those are specific skills to to thief and i don't think thief is a thing anymore thief is it? isn't a thing no thief was one of the I've, I've been reading through the first edition player handbook because i have happen to have a set of original uh yeah manuals here came in a couple weeks ago and I just started reading through some of it, and Thief was one of the original classes, yep. right? It wasn't, Rogue wasn't a thing. Thief was a thing, right? Um, and then it kind of developed over time into the Rogue archetype, and I think that started happening around 3.5. But I think Rogue should not have replaced Thief. Thief was a specific thing. Rogue is a general all-around kind of... Not ne'er-do-well, but bon vivant. He's like the adventurer type. Like, he is the archetype of Indiana Jones, or like, he's the rogue. I won't say that Thief ceases to exist. Somebody's going to, um, actually me on this, uh, or us on that, because Thief is still a thing. There was a migration of things when, I forget when they did it, but when backgrounds became a separated thing. Right. So I don't think in first edition you're back like you built your backstory, but there weren't like chosen background archetypes, right? Whereas now instead of just race and class, which was your first edition first and second edition stuff, you now pick your race, class, and background. And thief is a background, right? It's a roguish background. So not you know, it's one of those things is like all thieves are rogues, but not all rogues are thieves. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I I sort of miss the original stuff. Like as a one shot, I want to run keep on the borderlands with some of you guys. It is a B one basic for. It's the first module ever put out. I think I have it. I have. I know I have it. So, but like I think that'd be a fun one for a group of really experienced fifth edition players to run through it. You want to mod it into fifth for us? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Actually, this, I'd this love I'd cut. love to do first edition. We're gonna get a bunch of this is how we get people to react, right? I want in. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> what I'd love to do is run it as a first edition to make you guys figure out first oh, edition dear rules. God. That'd be hilarious. Oh, I want to do time. this spippy thing. Yeah, that's not a thing. Yeah, you can't do that. What can you do? You can hit things. You know, you know how hard it is for us to get together to record this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to try and learn a whole new game set now? <laughs> No, Come but I, I think... Uh, I haven't started doing the Star Wars RPG either. When my <laughs> first edition was Red Book, I got the Red Book first edition. I think I, I'm pretty sure I still have a copy of it somewhere in the basement. 
but it had a test adventure that you ran yourself. You know what the first monster you meet is? The Rust Monster. Of all things. Is that even a thing thing. still? Yeah. (laughs) The Rust Monster. I love that monster because as soon as you hit it with your sword, it went, ooh, metal. And (laughs) and ate your metal sword. You're like, what the hell? You never know what was going on. It was hilarious. It does make you rethink, though. And and I love... We're so far off mimics right now, but that's okay. <laughs> I love what they've done. Like some of the best things that D and D writes is are always their introductory things. Yeah, right. Like my favorite fifth edition campaign is Lost Minds of Fandover. It is the starter set miniature campaign that comes with it, and it is probably the best piece of writing they did because from a DM side. The book makes sense. <laughs> right. And then they followed that up okay with Tyranny of Dragons, but then they tried to do Elemental Evil, and that thing is just a mess. Princes of the Apocalypse is a terribly written book. <laughs> like all the con like the the content's amazing. But how are you supposed to run this thing? <laughs> yeah, it sometimes is a little tricky for sure as a DM. <laughs> Like that one spun my head to a point of where my my players were very very relieved when they finally just died in a TPK. One day it's like, yeah, we're we're good, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> oh look, no, 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 no resurrect. It's no. over. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, one of our listeners, Cody, uh, is homebrewing his own world, and he said, "I think I want to do this," and I said, "Well, if it were me." I would add this little twist on it. He was like, Ooh, that's actually pretty good. So I love what, I love what D and D does, but homebrewing things has that little Susan of uh, evil that you can't quite get in this. I, I love homebrew. My problem is I go far too macro. Yeah. Right. And I need to start smaller and I keep forcing myself into those because some of the better writing that I've been able to put out are when we do one shots. Yeah. In places that just don't exist. Right. It's whatever. It's this little island I made up and da, 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 here it is. Right. And then, okay, this one's on this one. And then suddenly I've created a world and that works out really well. Um, but like my wife has talked about playing at some point. And she's made it very clear that I have to be the dungeon master. Um, <laughs> I'm like, all right. Fair enough. Um, actually, this came up in conversation this morning, of all things. She's talked about playing, and she's got a thing about pirates, right? And so, all right, so we can do a pirate theme thing. All right, I'm done with that. Um, but I started creating this world, um, and it exists within Faerun. I, I left it in, in the main setting. Uh, just off the map of the Sword Coast, right? So if you were to sail out here, it's this little-known area that nobody really goes to. Only a few traders make it out that far. And it's it's somewhat known around Waterdeep because there's, like, fine wines that come from certain areas of there. And But other than that, it just exists over there. But I created the area, and I started geopolitical stuff without having actual towns in the place <laughs> like there's nowhere for anything to exist like <laughs> there's no place to start a story here i've i've gone far too macro to begin with see now <laughs> you created an entire section of the unexplored map yeah whereas i created amazon now uh, does it come with a prime subscription or 
Yes, and <laughs> you already have the Prime subscription here at the Happy Dwarf Emporium. <laughs> Thank you for your business. We really, truly appreciate it. That's my little joke. Well, when you we're playing. Walmart is what you're well, <laughs> well, yeah, more Walmart it's than more Amazon. Walmart, yeah. They don't deliver. That's <laughs> you haven't asked them to yet. That's a fair point. He might deliver. You have yeah. no idea. You mind picking us up in the morning with the axe piece? Yes, it's yeah. an extra service. <laughs> well, would, it's, would you like to apply free shipping? Exactly. For an extra well, the funny thing you is... You spend an is, extra 30 gold, you can get free shipping on this side. <laughs> we, needed a, we needed a place to... Uh, I need a place like a Chandler or something to buy stuff at the beginning of the campaign that I'm running with you guys. And completely aside from the book, I made up the Happy Dwarf Emporium. Those are the best thing. With the least happy sounding dude around, it, which is what makes it funny. But the next town they went to, I went, well, there's a Happy Dwarf Emporium and two. It's Now it's a chain. Now it's a thing. And they all sound exactly <laughs> the same. And it's just been a fun gag that we've had fun with over the course of the time. Are you the same dwarf? No, my name is Marvin. Yeah. My brother's name is Mervin. Can't you tell the difference? (laughs) That's my cousin. It's just like me. Uh, all right, so getting we've, back we've to mimics, because we're way out of the... <laughs> this I mean, podcast has mimicked itself as something completely yeah. different. So before we reveal the one that I heard that I think is probably the worst thing a mimic could be, what's your? do you have any last thoughts? Well, I, I think my teddy bear thing was pretty on point. I feel like sword or like small hand weapon. Yeah. Right? Or instinctively anything... Well, you know, mimic underwear would be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the mimic cod piece, you know, is is less than ideal. Um, I was going to say bag of holding, but that is that is a thing. Like bag yeah. of devouring is its own thing, right? The one that the, the guy online had, and I, from an evil DM standpoint, it is brilliant. The worst thing for a mimic to be is a healing potion. Oh, it sits in your bag or in your belt for potentially years. Yeah. And when you are near dead and you just, there's nobody else. The only thing to save you is that healing potion. You go to take the lid off and it attacks you. That is the most evil thing I can think of. Like that guy's like, <laughs> wow, that's terrifying. And now anybody who's listening to the podcast playing DD <laughs> is going to be really wary of any uh, potions of healing that I happen to give them. I feel like Maui is an appropriate uh, response here. What can we say except you're welcome? You're welcome. <laughs> exactly. So if you've got any fun ideas about what uh, mimics could be to really mess over your players and get that TPK that we all so desperately want but really don't want to do, let us know in the comments. Well, that question has been asked and answered, but we still need more questions. So please send any of your nerdy questions to Christian at FrugalDutchman.com or join us on Facebook at TFDATC. That's the Frugal Dutchman at the counter. So join us next time for more thoughtful answers to pointless questions, and we'll see you at the counter. counter.